Hi everyone, this is Chris Ramirez, Editor-in-Chief and your co-host for Gator Talk, a Golden Gate Express podcast that brings news to SF State students. We have a jam-packed episode this week, so let's get right into it. Here we go. For more information and coverage, check out goldengateexpress.org or at GGX News on all social media platforms. Here's a rundown of today's episode. First, I'm going to give you all a quick news brief with things that happened this week that we think matter most to SF State students, faculty, and staff. Today's main story focuses on a crucial foundation for all colleges and universities, the faculty. Last week, the California Faculty Association, the union representing faculty across the California State University system, declared impasse in its contract negotiations with the CSU. I sat down with faculty from SF State to learn more about what the CFA is asking for, the CSU's response, and what comes next. Gators, stick around for this episode. It affects you too. Here's the brief. Governor Gavin Newsom signed into law on Monday a bill that seeks to aid students facing food insecurities. The law will expand access to CalFresh food benefits provided through the Federal Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP. To make this expansion possible, public colleges and universities will also need certification from the California Department of Social Services so that students enrolled in qualifying employment and training programs can access these benefits. On Tuesday, SF State unveiled Marcus Hall, the university's newest building since the Creative Arts Building, over 25 years ago. The $81 million building is the new home for Becca and finished construction last December. Also on Tuesday, former Facebook data scientist Francis Haugen testified in front of a Senate subcommittee, exposing the tech company for policies she claims are destructive to democracy and the mental well-being of young users, particularly teenage girls. She told the Senate that when presented this information, Facebook executives, including Mark Zuckerberg, ignored the data for profits. It's like a chess game, right? It, it pushes us to make the next logical move, which um, is really talking to each other, having conversations, making sure everyone's needs are being considered and uh, hopefully included in bargaining. You know, it's very important that, uh, that the students and the faculty stand together because the motto of the CFA is our working conditions are the students' learning conditions. When we're um, being treated badly by the CSU, that hurts students' education, right? I wish we'd gotten to an impasse sooner. I wish that we'd gotten to this point of taking it, of bringing in some outside objective third party sooner because it's, the reports from James seemed like we've been at an impasse for months. So, when you can't make an agreement with someone else and there's no way to move forward, you've hit a wall. You're deadlocked. Or in more technical terms, you've hit an impasse. And that's exactly what happened last Thursday. After 18 months of contract negotiations, the California State University and the California Faculty Association have hit an impasse. The CFA represents 29,000 employees of the CSU, and these people include faculty, librarians, counselors, and coaches. Within each Cal State University, each department has its own union representative for that school's chapter of the CFA. But what if you have to negotiate contracts with the CSU? Well, that's done through a group of special CFA reps known as the bargaining team. So in fall 2019, 
the CFA began campaigning for a new collective bargaining agreement with the CSU. Faculty contracts were set to expire in June 2020, so the CFA did have some time. It started with sending out a survey and meeting with individual chapters to get a sense of the things that faculty across the state wanted to see changed. And the CFA got plenty of feedback. It reported that about 7,000 members completed the survey, and in total, almost 700 pages of open-ended responses were submitted. And then, 2020 came around. This is a constantly and rapidly changing situation, and we are working hard to be aggressive, to flatten the curve. In Minneapolis tonight, tensions are high as four police officers have been fired after a man was pinned to the ground and died. Tonight, we're learning disturbing new details from the night Louisville police shot and killed Breonna Taylor in her apartment. The year ultimately paved the way for a lot of what the CFA proposed to the CSU. There's two super important CFA documents that transpired from last year, one from the pandemic and one responding to the protests that Black Lives Matter really paved the way for. That's not to say that these things weren't being considered among faculty before the pandemic. In fact, that January, the CFA said that it intended to bargain for a lot of these things. They wanted increased salaries, better course cap sizes, more counselors on campuses, and improved protections for people of color and queer campus members. There's a lot at stake for them. But SF State's CFA president, James Martell, told me that that hope didn't last long. I started hearing um, stories from people on the bargaining team, I guess who told other people that they were so deeply offended and upset by what the CSU was proposing that they that they really couldn't believe it, that they, that they had seemed to be even harder than they normally are, and they're usually pretty hard. So I, I had a strong sense that bargaining was going terribly from the get-go. The CFA doesn't plan on budging on its bargaining proposals, despite the CSU having offered counter-proposals to many of them. And so after that June 2020 deadline came up, both parties agreed to extend negotiations. And those have been happening up until last Thursday, when the CFA walked away from the table. The CFA is pushing for a general salary increase of 4% for three years, with one of them being retroactive. Basically, faculty want a 4% pay raise for last year, a 4% raise for this year, and you guessed it, a 4% raise for next year. And in return, the CSU is proposing a 2% pay raise, only for last year. And CFA members aren't happy about that. Taking inflation and increasing cost of living especially in the Bay Area, they say it's essentially taking a pay cut. The CSU has been very, very, very harsh. Um, they stuck to their really insulting off of a 2% raise, which is about a third of the inflation rate. So that means we're going to lose uh, 4% of our salary anyway. I spoke with multiple faculty members, and they all said that really, they don't know why the CSU is pushing back. I spoke with the professor at SF State, Blanca Mise, and she said... Unfortunately, they don't always have to give a reason. So that's the thing. Uh, we give reasons for everything we want. And they should give reasons when they say they don't agree, but they don't. And that is where we, you end up declaring impasse, right? You declare impasse when you're arguing for a point and the other side is either not making progress, arguing with you, or refuses to say, like, say straight, no, we're not going to do that. Why? Because we're not going to do that. 
The salary increases are the main proposal the CFA has given the CSU, but there's a handful of other really pivotal articles as well. Some of them include salary range elevation for lecture faculty, strengthening job security for coaches, semester-long paid parental leave, and affirming academic freedom in the classroom. I was interested in the academic freedom article because here at SF State, that conversation has come up a lot in the past year, particularly around education surrounding Palestine. On our campus, Dr. Rabab Abduhadi has been the target of hate mail and death threats from pro-Israel groups, and the article is trying to prevent what the CFA describes as faculty censorship coming from outside entities. You become targets, and the College of Ethnic Studies and the Africana Studies Department has been the target of racist acts. And when racist acts occur in the classroom, outside the classroom, has a chilling effect on everybody, on the students, on the faculty who think like, well, maybe I need to watch myself, maybe I need to watch what I say, I don't want to lose my job, I don't want to be attacked, I don't want to this. When those who speak for justice of Palestine as an example, their rights are violated, we do not have the proper mechanisms to protect them. So we need to have them. She also brought up that the CFA has made it a point to be as transparent as possible when explaining why it feels it deserves the raise it's advocating for and has all of its supporting evidence on its website. There's document after document of data about money the CSU has gotten and says that that's reason enough to pay for these increases. The CSU put out a statement following the impasse saying that most of the funding is one time and that ongoing funding will be used to close the equity gap without raising the cost of tuition. State funding has actually increasingly gone up. And this year, when Newsom expanded university funding in the state budget, the CSU pulled in a total of $550 million in state funding. This doesn't account for money received from the federal government through pandemic-related aid either. According to data pulled from the CSU, the school system's total revenue for fiscal year 2021 was $11.8 billion. And at least since 2016, the CSU has brought in more revenue versus the amount of money it's spending. So we're seeing this increase in money being saved and brought into the CSU, but that money isn't necessarily going back into instruction. Funding for instruction has steadily declined, and last year, it made up just under 37% of the Cal State's expenses. So we're asking for a retroactive wage increase because this is the thing, the cost of living increases every year. If your wages don't go with it, you're taking a pay cut. And so what currently CSU is telling us when we're discussing wages is that we need to take a pay cut. And that's very insulting because we've been working overtime. And when the pandemic occurred, we spent most of the summer, last summer, trying to bargain how we could be compensated for all the extra work. And the administration says, we refuse to negotiate any form of compensation with you. You will do that in the bargaining. You'll do that in the bargaining. And say like, but we're working now, extra labor. And so basically, we have worked more, and now we're taking a pay cut. If you can think of equity about that, uh, that's, uh, you know, interesting. In talking to multiple faculty members from SF State, they point out what they call a really contradictory move from the CSU. Salary increases for CSU campus presidents. We're going to take a quick break. Support the Golden Gate Express's work by signing up for our online newsletter, following us on Instagram or Twitter at GGX News, and visiting the website, goldengateexpress.org. Interested in advertising with GGX? Check out our advertising page on goldengateexpress.org advertising. 
If we are substantially out of sync with the rest of the nation, then that limits our pool. In addition, we have lost talented leaders from time to time with CSU's compensation as one important factor. So this issue is one of both recruiting and retaining great human talent in these difficult, demanding, and vital campus leadership positions. At the September 15th Board of Trustees meeting, the board unanimously voted to implement salary assessments for 10 campus presidents within the university system. These assessments go hand in hand with the president's individual triennial review. If a president scores well enough, they would get up to a 10% increase of their current salary with guaranteed equity adjustments for the next two years. The process would then continue to happen following each review until they're being paid at what's considered a competitive market rate. And this was a big pressure point for many of the faculty at SF State. When Chancellor Castro came to the campus and answered the question, his response of saying that this decision was for equity really rubbed faculty the wrong way, to say the least. One faculty member even made the point that the chancellor makes more money than the president of the country, which is true. Castro took a 30% salary increase after being appointed chancellor. He makes $625,000. Since 2001, United States presidents have made $400,000 a year. That's what you call deflection or gaslighting. The, it's the cognitive dissonance. It's, it's about pretending to have to play the hero, but then you're actually robbing from the people. <laughs> if you want to deliver a particular product, if it was the education that was most important, it is the professor, it is the lecturer who is delivering that service. The quality of that service is, is it lies directly with the faculty member who is asking to be paid for the quality mm -hmm. of their for their value and not getting paid adds on so many stresses that also has like a a direct and like unarguable um, relationship to the quality of that education. Right? You know, you don't attract the best of the best with money because the best of the best are mm -hmm. not motivated by That's money. That's an incredible point. Yeah, the also, best of the best wouldn't allow us to be treated this way. They wouldn't use equity and social justice as a marketing slogan. They would actually use it to motivate and to guide their actions. And they're not doing that. They've, they've really... They're not, they're not, we're doing the work. They're, they're completely violating those words, equity and social justice. And this is supposed to be the people's university serving the people of California. And so all, so they have money for themselves, for the, for the rich people. And so the idea of faculty salary increases affects everyone across the board, but it's arguably most critical for the lecture faculty. Hannah Rose Lacey is a lecture faculty who teaches chemistry at SF State. And she said that it's really unfair because lecturers make up about half of the instructors at SF State and teach 60% of all students on campus. And on top of this, lecturers are paid differently too. Tenured and tenure track faculty are offered competitive starting pay, while lecturers tend to get paid at the lowest starting wages possible and find it difficult to get raises as well. In fact, lecturers at SF State lost roughly $15,000 in their salaries between 2003 and 2018, with inflation being taken into account. Some of the lecture faculty I spoke to refer to themselves as the gig workers of the university system. I, I make, I'll tell you, I make 40K a year. 
I work, I work full time. Um, and after taxes, my take home is around 31 and a half. Mm-hmm. Well, my son's tuition, my son's college tuition and room and board for him to go to college is $35,000 a year. So I'm just putting all of my wage into, uh, and, and thankfully I have a partner that can deal with our household expenses. So like, like why, why, why am I still here? Right. I'm here for you. I'm here for the students. Almost everyone I talked to about the lecture faculty brought up this idea of a two-tier system as well. The two-tier system is this type of payroll system where there's essentially two classes of employees. One tier consists of employees with higher wages and benefits than the other. And in the case of the university system, lecture faculty are in the lower tier, with tenured and tenure track faculty being in the one above. And so what lecturers explained is that sometimes Employers like the CSU will offer deals that benefit the top tier, but exclude faculty from reaping the benefits. And this can divide unions and essentially pit lecture faculty against tenure track faculty. When union members agree that the fight needs to be taken to the employer, in this case, the CSU. And more or less everyone I talked to said that even within the CFA, these tensions exist. But the lecture faculty I spoke with said that this time, the CFA leadership is really making an effort to include them in the conversations and mitigate these tensions. So what's next? Well, short answer, we don't know. But longer answer, it depends on how negotiations move forward. A third party will review the impasse and if it's valid, it moves into different stages where third parties will try and resolve the disagreements by offering solutions. And if all of this is unsuccessful, faculty will be allowed to go on strike. Previous faculty contract guidelines are still upheld, so faculty aren't without their benefits. But these negotiations for future contracts could take months. We're taking this very seriously. We're starting to organize ourselves into these strike teams. We're using our department rep system to sort of talk to everybody one-on-one, to basically every faculty member, and sort of try to gauge their strike readiness and to sort of promote strike readiness. And that was the episode. This is Chris Ramirez, Editor-in-Chief and your co-host for Gator Talk. New episodes will premiere every weekend, so stay tuned. And with that, I'm out.